Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to CityCast Denver. I'm Bree Davies, and you are listening to Mayoral Madness, our effort to get to know all 17 candidates who want to be Denver's next mayor. Today, I'm speaking with State Representative Leslie Herrod. Representative Herrod, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for having me. So you are deep in the campaign trail right now, and I know that that means meeting a lot of people, being all around the city. Is there something new, a a place, a thing, a drink, a person? Is there something in Denver right now that you love? Oh my gosh, so much about Denver I love. I listen, that's a hard question because I've been you, you, my voice is going a little bit too. I've been everywhere across the city. Um, you know, it's been it's been a mix of new favorites and old favorites, you know. I was just down at Stella's coffee shop recently and I hadn't been there in forever and I got so nostalgic. Love that spot. <laughs> it's a great neighborhood coffee shop. It's in a little house. It's the best. Yeah. And we just had a comedy show um, up at this place called The Blind Tiger. And that was super fun, too. And I had never been there before. So it's kind of, I don't know, Denver Denver still got it. You know, Denver still got it. You're seeing a lot of new, I mean, where's The Blind Tiger? I have not heard of this. Yeah. So it's, it's um, well, it's north. It's, it's used to be probably part of the warehouse situation, you know, sure. by that infinite monkey, you oh, know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so it's all in that kind of area. That's cool. Um, so I, I also want to ask you, I, I think to start with an issue that it feels like it's on every Denverite's mind right now. And it's cold out. Energy bills are going through the roof. But so yeah. are Excel Energy's profits. Leslie, if you were mayor today, what would you do about this? And what would you tell Denverites about it? Absolutely. Well, it is becoming um, extremely unaffordable in Denver, period. Whether you're talking about housing, the cost of eggs, Mm. utilities, uh, the fact that we're still drinking our water out of a purification filters, you know, um, and and then still paying water bills. I mean, that is that has become a huge problem. Um, And, you know, everyday Denverites are having a hard time making ends meet. Right. Uh, And so for me, it's about bringing more affordability to Denver across the board biggest part of your expenditures typically is your housing. So we need more affordable housing for everybody. But additionally, we've got to make sure that the everyday Denverite is uh, represented uh, in these conversations about should we increase the cost of uh, energy in in Denver? You know, Um, should we make sure that we maybe put money on um, entering our houses are more green, right? And that we have some of my, these old brick houses, like what I live in in Park Hill, actually have some insulation, you know? actually have energy efficiency um, products in our homes and renters deserve that too because you're paying the bill. And so where should our focus be? And I think the focus should be on reducing, um, definitely reducing our our usage of, of, um, of our utilities like energy and water and what that actually would look like for Denverites. But we've got to do that instead of just increasing the prices for those who can't afford it. Uh, and then finally, I mean, my mom is on a fixed income. My neighbors are on fixed incomes. They simply, simply can't afford the rising costs of everything, but including their energy bills. And people are opting to turn off their heat 
And we know that that causes much longer term problems in their health, in the quality of their homes they're living in. So we've got we've got to get this job done for the city. And we can't just we can't just increase the cost on the backs of those who can't afford it. So I'd like to sort of pull back and ask you a bigger picture question. Why do you want to be mayor? Yeah, I want to be mayor to deal with these issues. Um, you know, as someone who has served uh, on the Judiciary Committee as the chair of finance and the chair of appropriations and on the Joint Budget Committee, I've mal- balanced a $40 billion budget and I brought in a ton of funding for things like small businesses, right? For for our values, for, you know, $700 million in affordable housing dollars. But yet and still, Denver's not feeling it. You know, our small businesses are shuttering as I'm saying the words, we have new funding for you. They're like, how do I get it? It's too late. You know, everything is so hard right now in Denver for so many people. And we've got to change that. And so while it's nice to sit in my comfy chair at the state capitol and pass laws that speak to our values, you know, um, if people can't feel that in their everyday lives at home, we're not actually doing anything for the people. And for me, that's a priority. And that's why I'm running. Why do you think you'd be a good mayor? You know, I think I'd be a good mayor because uh, I get the job done. You know, Um, people have a lot of talk about what should be done. And in fact, can spend entire terms talking about what can and should be done, but not actually doing it. You know, I, I quite frankly think I'll be a good mayor because I'll get it done. And I'll listen to the people of Denver about what their needs are. That's why we created STAR, Support Team Assisted Response, the alternative to 911, which you guys have talked a lot about. We need that 24 seven, but it would not have been created had we not started caring for Denver then saw the model in Eugene, Oregon, and said, we can do that here. A group of folks did that right here in Denver. And quite frankly, we know that we can do more. We know we can do more. But you need a mayor that's going to lead and that's going to say, I agree. Let's get it done. I want to I want to go back to the star conversation and in, in that in a minute. But I, I'm thinking about folks who are maybe learning about you for the first time, who maybe don't know your record as a legislator. Um, what is something that you've done on a state level that you would just like folks to know about to give them an idea of what you'd like to do on a city level? Yeah. Well, I will say that um, I am proud to have led uh, the um, ending of qualified immunity for law enforcement um, and ensuring that we have accountability uh, in Colorado um, for law enforcement officers, including requiring body cameras, including requiring a duty to intervene with a criminal penalty if they don't. And we've seen officers actually be held accountable under those laws. Um, when I think about what happened in Memphis, um, when I think about the loss of another Black man who became another hashtag, um, I know we have so much more to do. But this hard turn to the right is not going to help Denver. It's not going to help keep us any safer. And so I'm proud of the bills that we passed around police accountability. And I'm proud of the work that we've done to ensure that people have more access to treatment. Um, We have to continue in that direction. Um, But then additionally, I'm proud of some of the work I've done around the arts, uh, bringing in funding for the arts. I, I received the Americans for the Arts Award because Colorado was the first state to say that Artists aren't getting the same dollars for coronavirus response We need because they get paid different. So we need to pay them different. And so we created funding for those in the arts um, and arts adjacent, you know, including that food truck. Right. right. That is that that relies on being out in front of that concert uh, when it lets out. 
Um, and so uh, I'm proud of that work uh, to bring in more dollars for the arts, more dollars for small businesses, creating a minority business office with actual funding. I'm still being sued for that, but that's okay. Um, I believe we will win because, you know, discrimination it, it, and racism is insidious. And unless we take it head on, um, we're not going to be able to tackle our toughest problems. Did you say you were being sued? Oh, yeah, definitely. So I literally like, you know, I am not afraid. I'm a bold leader. And just because someone says that, you know, um, racism doesn't exist in 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 business it doesn't mean it's true. Right. And so in creating the minority business office that had specific funding for minority owned businesses, um, the the state of Colorado and my bill specifically is under lawsuit um, because there was a white barbershop owner that did not have access to just that specific funding stream, much less all the other funding streams that they have access to that minority owned businesses do not. But specifically that funding stream, and I'm, I'm being sued for it. Now I will say that the funding is gone. So we have spent it, um, but we, and, and quite frankly, we'll continue to fund it um, as, as a state. But, um, but yeah, you know, you gotta, sometimes you gotta, you gotta roll up your sleeves and sometimes it's a fight. Sometimes it's collaborative, but at the end of the day, you gotta support the people. So speaking of the people, we have a question from a listener and it relates to transportation. Denver, for the most part, we know is built for the car and it seems like that's going to have to change if we want fewer traffic deaths, if we want to lower the impact on our climate. Um, So MSU student Taylor Lucas wants to know, what would you do to improve transportation in Denver? Yeah. Well, thanks for the question. And I love uh, hearing from our students as well. Uh, you know, that's kind of where I got my start in politics by creating New Era Colorado alongside of some amazing leaders in the state. Um, what I will say is that the solutions are not novel. There are so many solutions. And it actually, one of the solutions takes me back to my time at CU. When I was at CU, we had a public transportation, the hop, skip and jump, and it was a circular that took you where you needed to go throughout Boulder, right? And that worked. In Denver, we rely on RTD, which is the Regional Transportation District, to get us around the city. And I'm reminded by the director of RTD that RTD was supposed to be regional, not connecting neighborhoods, not connecting communities, regional, right? That's why we have that pro- the problem we do. Bree, when I go to different places and have talks about what they want to see in the next mayor and all this campaigning stuff, I often ask how many of you all took the bus here today? Mm. And even folks who are advocates for public transportation do not raise their hands, you know, because it's impossible. So what they did out in in uh, far northeast Denver is they actually created a circular, just like the hop, skip and jump to get folks around the area on demand on demand and it's working not only for seniors but for families and those who are working and students and everybody and we need to do that in neighborhoods and in in, um, zones across the city it's working out there and we can bring that right here and that's what i'll do you think we could have like i know that we've recently created like a more transit specific office here in denver you think that we could handle that as a municipality 100 percent we already are. Like, it's just <laughs> out in far Northeast, you know? Yeah. And I'm so proud of the people who fought for that because that was grassroots organizing that made that happen. That was community organizing that made that happen. I had nothing to do with it, you know? But I will tell you, when I heard the stories about how it's working and pe- as, as it's spreading through the city, everybody wants it, you know? I think about um, one of my neighbors up in up in Park Hill and she gets around mostly on Accessoride. Um, and, you know, she 
it's pretty good at the system, you know, but it takes hours sometimes to get that, um, to get that scheduled and sometimes the day before. And so thinking about how she's getting around to the community meetings, the neighborhood meetings, so that she can be an active uh, and engaged elder, um, I think that's perfect for her. But it's also perfect for me as I think about how I get around the city and wanting to even try to get to downtown or the capital. It's not easy from where I live right? Having that circular to at least get me to the right stop so that I can get to where I need to go would be hugely important. But damn, can I at least get me to the grocery store and back so I don't rely on a car just to get my everyday needs met? That's what we should focus on. So we've got a bunch of different questions that we're asking every candidate. We're kind of pulling them at random. So I'm just going to ask you a couple questions before we head out. Um, There are a lot of concerns about how, quote, safe or unsafe Denver is. Yeah. Um, is Denver a safe place to you? And what does safety mean to you? Yeah, well, I believe that we can and should have the safest uh, city in the nation, um, large city. And I say that because we did, we used to be, right? When back in the day when we brought the DNC here, everyone was so happy and excited to show off our town. And people who came were like, it's so clean, it's so safe, it's so hip and fun. Um, that perception, whether it's real or not, is changing. Um, people do not feel as safe in Denver. I will tell you, Brie, I mostly feel safe, um, you know, in this city. But again, it's changing. And so for me, I believe that we have to do something about ensuring that people not only feel safe, but are safe. Um, And that does not mean relying on an incarcerative approach to get us through these issues. It does not mean that. Um, But what it does mean is making sure that we do have housing for those who need it, that we do have mental health care for those who need it. You know, I'm proud of the work that we've done with Caring for Denver, but damn, it'd be great to have more of a partner in, in, in the city, you know? Um, yeah, that can be improved safety and more star, you know, more things like that. Um, I think that 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 is how we make our city safer. So so is a city safe? I believe it is safe relatively. Is is it safe for all? That's shifting. And again, what I want to also add is that it is consistent that the victims of crime are lower income and are are more so people of color. So we've got to do something about it and we can't just leave neighborhoods to fend for themselves. We've got to have community-based models that ensure that our communities are safe. So switching gears, uh, Casa Bonita reopening in May. Great restaurant, greatest restaurant. What's your, I want to take your temperature on Casa Bonita. We need more female cliff divers. <laughs> I want to see more female, more gender non-binary. You know what I mean? Like, like that's that's what I want to see. I want to see us making sure that uh, Casa Bonita is as great as it can be uh, and is a re- as reflective of our amazing, um, amazing town. Okay, last question. Uh, very, very in the news right now. Um, we we just learned recently that the developer's plan to redevelop the Park Hill golf course with a mix of housing and parkland is going to be on the ballot alongside the mayor's race in April. Um, where do you stand on the Park Hill golf course debate? Yeah, well, that's it's it's been such a long debate. First of all, it's an example of what happens when you don't have true community engagement. You know, I mean, it just has blown up in people's faces so many times because folks haven't engaged. I think now people are realizing that we need more affordable housing and we need green space and those two do not have to collide. But there's no trust in the developer or development that's happening right now. And as much as they are working to try to get that back, it it ain't working, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, 
And it's it's really caused a distraction, if if you will, because we could be a building affordable housing in the land that Denver already owns across the city, Denver DPS, RTD across the city. And we're so focused on Park Hill Golf Course that we're not doing the work. Um, and so I think that that's a huge problem. I do believe, though, that in order to move forward with any type of development plan, um, it does need a vote of the people at this point. The people have spoken. I am not one to overturn um, that type of voice unless, of course, we have some other issues at play like racism, sexism, you know, homophobia and all of that. Um, and so for me, that's what I want to see. I'm concerned that people may not understand the ballot measure. And so as I'm out on the doors, um, I'm going to be listening for that and really trying to understand what people think they're voting on. Uh, and if there's irregular irregularities, um, I will work to fix that too. Do you have any idea what you would want to do when it comes to that site if you were mayor? Yeah, you know, I think um, I think that when I become mayor, I think it's important to um, have a conversation again with community and and start from the start from scratch and say, what do you guys want to see here? Um, there are amazing activists in Northeast Denver, amazing organizations um, that have asked for specific things. Um, you know, I think as concessions are being made, some of them might feel like they're getting it and some of them aren't. Um, but right now, the question is affordable for who? You know, open space for who? What good is open space if people can't use it? You know, people can't access it. And so we've got to answer those questions. And so I think it first starts with some healing um, in that space and, and around the conversations and then thinking about how we move forward. Um, so we'll let the people decide. So part of the reason we wanted to talk to all 17 candidates is because I'm like dying to hear the vision for Denver. I want to hear what the next era is going to look like. What is your vision for the next era of Denver? Listen, Denver already is and can continue to be better, right? As the best city in the nation. I love this city. I am so passionately in love with my city. Um, and I believe that everyone should be, but I know we can all agree that we're not doing everything we need to do and we should and can do better. Whether it's making sure that, that it's safe to walk on the street right now, which is not, especially for pedestrians or those who are who are, are definitely differently able, like that is, it's it's tough right now, right? It's treacherous out there. People were talking about, you know, the 14ers of Colfax, just trying to get from point A to point B. That's a problem. We can do better, you know? We can do better when it comes to affordable housing. We can do better and redefine what safety, what public safety looks like, right? And really make sure that it's community-based. We can actually put forward models uh, in this city that are based in public health and data. Let's do that. Let's do that, you know? And so I know that we can once again be that great city. I know that we can be a city that sparks entrepreneurship, sparks innovation, where people who are creative can actually afford to create and live here. That's what I want for this city. And I know we can do it. And quite frankly, I know Denver is ready for it. Where can people go to learn more about you and your campaign? You can head on over to leslieformayor.com. Um, you'll see my website. We are rolling out issues on a regular basis on that site. So keep up to date. And then additionally, check out my social media. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter um, at Leslie Herod. Representative Leslie Herod, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. hope you enjoyed this episode of Mayoral Madness. What we hope is a 17-part interview series with all the candidates on the ballot to be Denver's next mayor. We're planning to publish these interviews each week leading up to Election Day on April 4th, and we'll be providing more news and analysis during the week. Subscribe to CityCast Denver and learn more about Mayoral Madness at denver.citycast.fm. 
We'll be back soon with even more mayoral candidates who want to lead the city.